friends. Welcome to the Brave Enough Podcast. Grab some coffee, sit back, or enjoy your drive, and let's get authentic, real, and into the good stuff. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut, and I'm so excited to hang out with you today, where we're going to talk about life and work and all the messy stuff in between. So get ready. In episode 39, Sasha interviews Dr. Mark Shapiro physician and host of successful podcast, Explore the Space Show. Now here's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. Hello, Brave Enough community. Super excited about today's guest. It's going to be amazing and super special because it's the first time I'm having a man on the Brave Enough show. Now, let me tell you something. This isn't about reverse discrimination. I promise you, (laughs) I'm a she for he. Um, I just really, when I started this podcast, there were so many amazing women who I felt didn't have a voice, um, but had something amazing to share. Didn't have a platform though. Maybe they were women that I knew personally, or I wanted to know, and I wanted to hear from. And so I really just focused on giving a voice and giving a platform to so many amazing women's voices. So it wasn't intentional to leave the guys out, but I'm super pumped because today we have our first guy on the show and it's going to rock. Um, but before we get started, I wanted to tell you and encourage you if you're listening and you're feeling meh, okay, or you're feeling a little like scattered, or you're feeling like, gosh, you know, I'm just going through the motions. Every day I get up, I do the things I need to get done, I go to work, but I'm really alone and I really am feeling like I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Well, I want to tell you about something that I have created for women specifically who are career oriented but feeling like they are lost. And you don't have to be a doctor to take the class. It's called the Brave Enough Masterclass. I started this after a year of really doing a deep dive in my own career searches and really just work-life balance and trying to figure out why I always felt like I was failing at everything, even though I was working so hard to be a good mom, be a good physician. And I made this course and I learned so much when I was actually doing my own deep dive that I created it for the working busy physician. You do not have to be a mom to take the course. Everyone has things in their life that they're struggling to accomplish. Maybe it's your own health. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's just a feeling of discontentment. And so I want to encourage you to think about the last time you went inside and you really gave yourself the gift of internal reflection. That's what this 12 week class is for. It's built for the working woman. So it's not like you can't do the class and keep up with everything you're already doing, but it makes you pause and it it makes you pivot and it encourages you to understand what your life goals and objectives are and what's holding you back. What are those internal and external constraints? You can find out more about it at becomebraveenough.com. And I just want to tell you that you belong. You are welcome to take this class with me. The next one starts September of 2019. And let me tell you the hundred women that have gone through the courses, I have about 20 in each class. They have made the the most amazing changes in their lives. And I, I just want to tell you, if you want to talk to any of them, if you want to read their testimonies, you can find out more about it at becomebraveenough.com. And I would just love to get to know you for 12 weeks and hang out with you once a week. It would be super fun online to hang out with you. So without further ado, let's get to today's show. Thank you everyone for coming on today and listening. And if you're on the show and listening and you're driving or you're maybe you're getting ready to go into a busy work day, I just want to give you some encouragement today because I have an amazing guest on the show who 
has inspired me. He is a internist, um, hospitalist, and he also, besides that, has a, just a really interesting life career. And to me, he exemplifies what Brave Enough is because he has done so many things outside of the typical medicine trajectory. And he's also the first male guest I've had on the show. Now I have to say, I didn't plan on having all women, but there were just a lot of women that I wanted to interview and wanted to give a voice to. And so it is a total honor for me today to have Dr. Mark Shapiro on the show. So welcome to the show. What a wonderful introduction. Thank you so much for having me, Sasha. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Let me just share with you, listening to that introduction, welcoming people who are going to or coming from something that may have been challenging or stressful and framing this conversation as a place for people to relax and find some inspiration. I really appreciate that. That's really, really cool. So thank you for doing that. Yes. And, you know, I'm all about I'm all about encouragement and inspiration and authenticity. And to me, um, you and I just had a a, a quick chat before the show about the happenings that are going on in our environments right now and how it's crazy at both of our homes and that's real life. And to me, when we share as physicians and leaders um, in our community, we share with each other that our life isn't perfect and we're having a rough day or we failed at this or we failed at that. That's, that's actually really encouraging to other people. So I'm just excited to have you because I know that you are extremely authentic because I, I listen to your show. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us the, you know, one minute bio. Sure. So as you said, I'm a physician, I'm a, I'm a hospitalist by training and I've been a physician. I finished medical school in 2003 and you know, in terms of who I am and where I come from, you know, I'm, I'm, I grew up in Northern California and I was fortunate to do my medical school training in Houston and I went to undergrad at UCLA. And, you know, I don't want to sort of define myself by these places that I've lived, but I think it informs a lot around, you know, the places that we get to go in our lives. I've, I've been really fortunate and being able to study and learn and interact with the people that I have over the course of my career has informed a lot of the things that I've been able to do and a lot of the mindset and mindset and adaptations to the mindset that evolve and come with time. So I've, I love being a hospitalist. I've been doing it for a long time. I, I really enjoy medical leadership. I've been doing work around medical leadership for many years as well. There's lots of other things that I like to do. And a term that I've really grown to like for it's the equivalent of your be brave. For me, it's be pluripotent, be able be doing lots of things. And I try to have a mindset of not saying no too much when opportunities come up to try new things, which I was not good at as a kid. And trying to get past that barrier has really been helpful for me. So I've been able to work as a sports writer when I was in college and I was able to get my degree in history uh, at UCLA. And now I get to host a podcast and I get to do physician coaching and organizational improvement and public speaking and advocacy. And it just I'm a fortunate person and I, I get to do a lot of incredible things. I love to share the stuff that I get to do and to come on a platform like this and talk about it. It's really exciting. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is that you have a growth mindset and that you have evolved throughout the course of your life from someone who you said, you know, earlier, maybe didn't have that mindset, but now, you know, you, you do, how have you, how has that happened? Like, how have you yeah. gone from, how did you go from, okay, maybe I wasn't a child who was like really curious and, and brave and confident to becoming who you are now? Yeah. The, the bravery and the confidence, um, I think are two really key parts to this in my own personal development. You know, I, I, 
I was a high achiever. I did well in school. I studied hard, um, but I studied hard at the things that came easy to me. Mm. So like mathematics didn't come easy to me. So I was able to get by, but I didn't embrace it. I didn't try to seek out the joy and the love in a, the challenge and b just the content. Uh, so those sorts of things, uh, instead of really stepping into like the, you know, stepping into that tension and, and pushing myself harder, uh, I would find that, you know, I can get by. So I'm going to focus on the creative stuff. I'm going to focus on the writing and the creativity and the life sciences. And I was good at it and I enjoyed it and I did really well. Uh, as I got a little bit older, I think as, as I got out of residency and started to just have a little bit more mental bandwidth, there was a sense of dissatisfaction. I felt like I was not as diverse in terms of my thinking as I could be. I didn't feel like I was, I feel like I'd missed out quite frankly mm. on things over time that there had been opportunities that I had said no to out of fear, out of not knowing, not inquiring enough. And then, you know, we've been pretty open and on uh, open and honest on my show. My wife, you know, we got married and, and shortly after we got married, she was diagnosed with breast cancer and she's come on my podcast to talk about what that journey was like for her. And that really reframed life for both of us. And mm. it was, hey, let's let's take advantage of opportunities. Let's step into things that we would not have normally done. <laughs> There's a boulder rolling downhill for all of us. We don't know when it's coming. Right. So let's make the most out of what we have. I hate platitudes, but that sort of statement moved from being a platitude to reality for us in our shared life together. And it really helped inform, hey, this is my go. I want to make the most out of it. If something comes up, I'm going to push myself. I want to be a little uncomfortable. I want to be out of my comfort zone and let's see what happens. Wow. I love that. And I I, I love that you took something, uh, it's, both of you took something that, you know, it wasn't fun. It wasn't pleasant. It's not something that you would wish on anyone and used it to, uh, to formulate a, a, a pivot, you know, a pause yeah. in what I call yeah. like the pause and the pivots in life. And I think that all of us have those things. It's just a matter of, of when they're coming. Um, I like but, that term, the pause know, and the pivot. Yeah. That's good. And I think sometimes when we have you know, when, when we go through experiences that happen to us that, you know, horrible things that happen to us or, you know, failures that happen to us or something that even, you know, we've brought on ourselves, we often can say like, oh my gosh, like, where did I go wrong? Like, how, why is this yeah. happening to me? Yeah. And I think that that's part of the normal process of kind of grieving for either, either a failure that you brought on yourself or a, a, a something that you have no zero control on just something really crappy that happens to you in life. But, um, I love that what I'm hearing is that you guys were like, you know, let's like pause and let's like think about this and process yeah. it and pivot to live differently from the, out of, out of this hardship. And, I think sometimes like, you know, I go on social media and I see like these amazing people that I follow that inspire me. And what always sticks with me is overcoming something that they, they've overcome. Like it's not their amazing achievements that I'm like, wow. But it's always when I hear about what they've had to overcome, that even makes that achievement even bigger, right? It's in even more inspirational. So I just love that you're being so honest and that you said how you, you know, tried to avoid the hard things um, because you were good at other things. Um, I have a similar story in that I, I, I was very motivated by things I was, uh, other people told me I was good at. So, you know, oh, you should, yeah. you should be, you should go into research. You should do all these things. You're really good at innovating and writing. And so it, I kind of 
just dove into my academic career and found myself completely burned out because I was finding success in things I actually didn't enjoy, but I was successful at them. And so I was, it was a really hard struggle for me because I thought, oh my gosh, but you know, this person who I look up to or this, this chair, this boss, or this person that I really like that I really really, really look up to this person. They're telling me that I'm successful at this, so I should keep doing it. And I did that for years and found myself completely burned out, which is where I came to start Brave Enough. And the reason I even called my, you know, movement Brave Enough is because it took me (laughs) being brave enough to admit that actually I'm really successful at these things, but I don't like them anymore. I don't want to do them anymore. Um, I want to actually write and I want to encourage women and I want to have a platform for gender equity. And it was, it was extremely internally difficult for me to admit those things and to step into a space where I actually didn't have street credibility. I didn't have a million publications. Um, that's not how I had built my career. And, and so I love that I'm kind of hearing this similar story of like you being good at things, but then realizing like, okay, I got to say yes to some things that maybe I'm not great at yet because I've never done. There's, there's two things that I'm taking out of what you just said. One of them is especially around being on social media and being on, you know, hashtag med Twitter, where we all reside and spend time and interact. I actually try really hard not to com- not to look too much into what other people are doing. I really try to not compare myself to others because in that environment, the level of achievement, the level of aspiration, the level of you name it is so high. <laughs> These people are just unbelievably skilled at everything you could dream of. This person's good at math. This person's good at this. This person's written 15 books. This person doesn't. It is absolutely staggering the depth of talent. Yes. So for me, it's I want to be in the swimming pool. I want to swim with everybody, but I'm not going to race you 50 meters. Right. And that's an exercise for me just in terms of finding my place and being comfortable at my pace. And then the second thing about what you were saying as well with this idea of, again, that idea of comparison, but also doing things not for you, but doing them because you think it's what other people want. I don't want to be in that space in our social media environment in medicine. And for me, that pivot came when I finished residency and I was asked to be chief resident and I passed and people don't really pass on being chief resident very often. But for me, it's, I don't want to publish. I'm not going to find my joy in becoming a professor. And that's not to put that down. It's an extraordinary achievement. That was not going to be the path for me and getting off what I call. And, you know, it may have a little bit of a negative connotation and I'll own that the academic hamster wheel was a huge step for me because it just doesn't stop. And I saw that. And for me, it was really important to not be on that. And so I do try to keep those two pieces as my sort of signal lights. Am I going too far into oh my gosh, look at what all these people are doing. Look at what this podcast is doing compared to mine. Well, that means I'm crummy. Look at all these publications people have and I didn't do those things. That means I'm not living up to expectations. That for me has been a big pivot. It's it's daily work, I promise you, but it's been really, really helpful. You know, I, 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 I just love what you are talking about and it's really inspiring to a lot of people who I know are listening because um, it, it is... You only, you know, what 
what you are supposed to do in life, like what you're supposed to innovate and create and what you're supposed to find joy in or what you're supposed to just do. Like, and I think in medicine, we have like these very clear two channels. Like you go into private practice or you go into academics. And if you go into academics, this is the path. And I know for myself, you know, like the path and don't get off (laughs) the the path path. because everybody freaks out. Right. Like if you get off the path, you're a miserable failure. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I mean, this was, totally me. And yet I can't tell you at the pinnacle of my career where I had an NIH grant, I had, I was speaking, you know, 20 times a year on stages and I was doing all these things. I have never been as miserable. And I, I was so not me. And I realized like, but I'm good at all this. Well, you know what? Anybody, I mean, I, I don't want to make, you know, grandiose statements, but pretty much you could probably be good at anything if you worked really hard at it, right? Like if you had the opportunity and you had this, the, the, the skill and you put in the effort, you're going to be able to study or speak or, or present whatever, you know, content that you're given and you can become a subject matter expert and you can, and you can rise up that channel if you're willing to work hard enough, but that may not be what actually you gets you excited to get up every day. And it got to the point where I was like, how am I, this is actually worse than being mediocre at all these things. Cause I'm really good at these things, but I got to jump ship. <laughs> like I got to yeah. turn this like massive ship around. And it was, I realized like at that point I was I was just living for the applause of other people. And, Ooh, and it was that's a good one. And yeah. it was just feeding my ego, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's feeding my ego, but guess what? You know, that that's a really dangerous thing. And I also was often the only woman doing these things. So that yeah. also fed my ego. But that's actually really bad. <laughs> like But I'll share with you, you know? that it's still a struggle. Like for me, what you just said, that really resonates. I put up a podcast episode and I promise you, I am looking and checking and wondering, are people seeing, are they retweeting? How many retweets, how many likes, what kind of feedback am I getting? And then it's, well, how many is this podcast getting? And why do I, it's rough waters and it is every single day. And that is so it's, it's, it's good to the first step, right. Is to recognize that that's where we are. Yes. And then it's just recognizing it is daily work and it's going to have fits and starts because it's really hard. It is. And, you know, I always um, I always remember I was a swimmer growing up and I remember this thing that my dad said to me. I was probably only like 10 or 11 years old. And yeah. I remember um, it was this big race and it was like the finals of something. And um, I was getting up on I was getting ready and I was, you know, you know, God bless swimming parents. They sit there for like 10 hours and watch their kid for like 25 seconds. (laughs) And my dad, I said to my dad, like, oh gosh, you know, I just really want to win this race. And I'll never forget. I don't know why he said this to me, but he said, you know, you're not the best swimmer in the world. And, uh, you just have to be, there's, there's a girl out there your age. That's a much faster swimmer than you. Um, you just have to hope she's not sitting, standing on the block next to you. And I remembered that I think he was trying to kind of encourage me, but it was very humbling. And I have thought of that statement so many times in my life. When I am starting to act from a place of ego, I remember like, you know, this Sasha Shilkut is not creating this. Like there's someone else out there who has probably overcome even bigger obstacles and done this well. And 
I need to just be okay with, am I doing my best? And I know that, you know, we always tell our kids that we tell everybody that we tell our trainees that just do your best, but it's really true. Like if I think that I'm the first person to, you know, start a movement on for gender equity and encourage women physicians or have a successful podcast, I'm not. And there's probably someone out there that's doing it better than me. The, the joy is lost when you start comparing yourself or you come from, at least I've learned from a place of my ego. So I have to do a check because man, it's hard. Like you said, we're constantly comparing ourselves and it's really a daily thing to check in. Can I present a little bit of a parallel path, though? Yes. This idea of being first. Yes. When you said to me earlier, I am the first male guest on your show, <laughs> I felt really good. <laughs> I had a conversation with a couple of friends and colleagues and people that I've collaborated with where, you know, I host this show and we talk about things that are not really specific to medicine. They're designed to be around healthcare and the spaces between those seeking healthcare and those providing it on Explore the Space. That's the subject. But in the last year, I've participated in creating and commissioned two white papers that are very specific to medicine. And part of that was, and I'll share with you very openly, I wanted to be first. I wanted to put these things out there as quickly as I could because to me it looked like the corners were open. So there is value, I think, in maintaining a tempo. Yes. And whether you're first or not, is is not so much the key, but there is value in tempo. And one of uh, someone that I know you follow on Twitter as well, she and I have had conversations about this in person, uh, Avitalo Glosser from Oregon Health Science University, this idea of tempo. There are There is a time and place to move quickly. There is a time and place to get there and to plant your flag and then to say, here's where I am. Come and join me. And then you can help frame the conversation differently than if you don't arrive in that place first. Oh, I love that. I love planting the flag. Okay. So talk about, so tell me how do you, I love, and also your white paper was fantastic. Can you tell our listeners how to find that? Because I think that's extremely valuable. So there's actually two white papers. The first one we did was on social media activities on a professional CV, a professional curriculum vitae, a professional resume. And, you know, I dug out my old ones. I, I, you know, I keep my CV up to date. And I realized about a year and a half ago, it was not reflecting me as a candidate, as a person. I wasn't applying for a job at the time. But when I had changed jobs and we had moved from San Diego to Sonoma County, it didn't reflect adequately who I was and what I was with respect to digital media and social media. And so did some research and there is publications in the peer reviewed literature, but we wanted to do something that basically said like, this is the right work. And so this is basically saying, if you're doing things that are mission driven, they belong on your CV because a CV is something that is supposed to show you as a total package, as a total person. And it's also supposed to get the people reading it to the good stuff quickly. So it's putting contributions as a podcast. It's putting things that you've done on Twitter where you can track your metrics. It's putting hyperlinks to when you went on Sasha Shulkut's podcast so that people can go and listen to you on her podcast. That stuff, as somebody who reads a lot of CVs and does physician recruiting and retention and mentoring, I not only do I want to see that, if I don't see it, I'm either concerned you're not participating or there's something that you don't want to share. Right, right. I love this. That, this that, is so helpful. Yeah, so that one is all on um, my website, explorethespaceshow.com. I discussed it with two absolute, you know, titans of hospital medicine, Vinnie Aurora and Charlie Ray. And we had a sit-down conversation at the Society of Hospital Medicine annual meeting 
this past April of 2019, and it was awesome. The second one just came out specific to medical students, specific to people who are applying for residency and applying for fellowship. This is going to take you back. It's the ERAS application. <laughs> I swear to God, the day after we posted it, I found mine. I opened the box and it was there. Oh I started gosh. sweating. I reread it. I was like, you got, oh, that, that, like, that hot pit of like nausea and fear in your yeah. stomach. My hands it are sweating, came. actually. Like just was, hearing this right so now, my hands are sweating. I'm not exaggerating, and I know you're not either. It was a really visceral reaction. <laughs> yes. So this was the same idea, and I, and I collaborated on this again with Vinny and Charlie and then with Avi to basically frame the same question and about putting social media activities on the ERAS application to, again, ensure your program is going to see who you are as a person. The white papers are position statements. They are not telling you the rules. They frame a problem. They frame a challenge. Then they lay out a solution and why. And it's it's to provide guidance. And I love the concept of white papers. They, they're, they're heavyweights, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're, it's a big bat to swing. We don't do them all the time. But it's basically saying from best experience, from data, from observation – this is the right work. And the interesting thing about the second one that we did, the most feedback that I've gotten so far has been from program directors. Directors. Oh, I, a hundred percent. I could, yes. Thank you. Our applicants are not doing this. We don't know why we know they're on Twitter and we know they're doing podcasts and we know they write blogs and we know they're using Instagram. And Oh, by the way, we're looking why aren't they sharing it with us? Yes. This is the best stuff. <laughs> yes. And I love, I love that. You know what I love about a white paper is it doesn't, it's not a 17 years from like idea to publication. <laughs> it's Double like, weeks. it's like, awesome. it's real dynamic yeah. today problem. You got it. And, and I can love be living it. Documents because we can amend them. Yes. I love and it. We can annotate and we can add. If you and I come up with a shared topic and we want to do a white paper, we'll do one and it'll be done by the end of August. Right. And I love it because you know what? That's what we crave in today's world. We crave that. We crave like, can somebody come out and talk about what is the evidence, but what is the challenge and what are, what's the real life scenario today? Like that's what we need in medicine. Um, One of the things that I found interesting about that journey though, is I am not in an academic setting in my work. My professional work is is we're still wrestling for the right term. I don't like non-academic because we're not one above the other. Right. But my practice is one where it's a it's a it's a foundation model, multidisciplinary, multi-specialty medical group serving the northern part of the state of California. That's what I do as a hospitalist and as a physician leader. When I started this this idea of white paper again, you know, this idea of moving through fear and moving into things that are different and stepping into tension. I had no idea if people were going to be like, Hey pal, you, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know. You don't publish. You don't write. Right. You, you just, you're, you're non-academic. Right. <laughs> the, I was, I could not have been more delighted with the response. It was, thank you for doing this. This is really cool. How do I find it? Cool podcast, good idea, novel ground. And this idea again, right. Kind of getting there at a tempo, getting there early with a, white paper around social media activities to make your life and career better. Yes. And, and let me tell you, it's, 
you know, it's just funny how we have all of these unhidden social rules in medicine. And I, you know, like, <laughs> totally. oh my gosh. And I just, I, 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 I don't know. Somebody posted a picture of me and it's a hysterical picture. And, it, but when it, I use this picture all the time because it really stressed me out. Originally I was at work, um, at the hospital. I work in a large academic center and I was post-call came in and did a, like one little, you know, case and then was released from the operating room, went to my office to do some work. I'm wearing jeans and a blazer and like a t-shirt and heels, you know, and so, but I'm wearing jeans. Okay. Let's just preface that. And I get a call and it says, you know, they're having this big organizational high level executive meeting in an hour and you, they want you to go because it's on culture and they want you to be there. And I'm, I live 30 minutes from home. I'm thinking, okay, I can't go in scrubs to the C-suite. Um, I'm going to have to go in jeans to the C-suite. And I, I walked in and I was just like, okay, I got to hide in the back, but that's not me. I sit at the table. I'm like, no, I can't hide in the back. I got to sit at the freaking table. So I sit at the table and I'm talking and someone snapped a picture of me and they put it on social media. This was a couple years ago. And they're like, wow, you know, Dr. Shulcut is in the C-suite in jeans and a blazer. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I broke all the rules, right? Like I broke the rules. I'm not take. I'm not going to be taken seriously. I'm never going to make it to this level. And then I was like, this is ridiculous. Like I went, I spoke, I got positive feedback for what I said. Obviously they wanted me there. My voice needed to be, they, they wanted to hear from my voice. Why does the fact that I'm wearing jeans, like all of a sudden cancel out the fact that I was there and I showed up. Right. But I sure, I'm sure that the public like doesn't understand that we have all these ridiculous rules in academia that, that don't really matter at the end of the day, but yet they, they do matter in the way that we kind of navigate through our waters in medicine. And one of the things that I'm trying to do with brave enough is just kind of bust through those silly kind of unspoken rules and go like, why, why do we have that there? Like, why is that there? Why can't you be on social media and be an academic physician? Um, why do you have to wear a three-piece suit to walk into the C-suite to speak about something that when they ask you at the last minute to speak about, you know? So I love that you're kind of doing that with the white paper. You're, you're, and you're busting these kind of myths and you're saying like, why do we have these rules? Why can't a resident put on their CV what they're doing on social media? I would flip that on its head and say that not only why not, that they really should with all of these things, as I was listening to you, here's what I want to do. Here's how you and I are going to collaborate. We're going to do a medicine Mythbusters 365 days a year calendar for the desk. <laughs> and it's it. going to be, you wear whatever the heck you want. If you're being asked to go to the C-suite, it's because they want you for your expertise. It's not a fashion show. You're yeah. at the top of your game. Exactly. You're a cardiac anesthesiologist. Do, do we know how hard that is? How challenging that is? They want you there because you are – you offer a premium service that few people can offer. Nobody cares what you're wearing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, but it's so, – But there's 365 of these, right? Yes, you and I could oh, probably bust oh, out 100. Yeah. And then we say like think about where this one is holding you back and, and move past it. And when you move past it, you'll realize that everything is fine. In fact, probably the sun is shining even brighter. Yeah. Well, can we just talk for like two seconds about the doctor's lounge? Like, I don't know if you guys have a doctor's lounge, but I'm um, okay. So one of my favorite things is I don't normally go in there very much, but, um, I, 
when I go in there to grab something, I don't eat in there. So I'll go in there, grab something and leave. But I love looking at where everybody sits. (laughs) There's There's like, there's like all these fractions and like, unspoken rules about like who sits where and who talks to who. And I just think it's hysterical. I'm like, this is junior high, like (laughs) tables, cafeteria. We are in junior high. Like, like there are some things that don't change and there's rules. And I just like once in a while I'll go in and sit down like very, very few times. Um, do I actually sit down to eat, which is probably part of my lack of well-being at times, but I'll go in there and I'm like, I'm going to just flip the ENT table today. Like I'm going to sit with the ENT table. But this is just an example for the public to understand, like how medicine has all these unspoken rules, right? Like the culture of medicine. I will share, though, that being a hospitalist, I get to sit at any table I want (laughs) because I know them all and I interact with them all. And I do sit at every table and I try to get to know everybody and interact with everybody. I will say that where I was in San Diego, you know. Quaternary Care Medical Center doing everything except bone marrow transplant. Physicians at a caliber that you just, they're the best, uh, as good as you'd find anywhere else and just amazing people across the board. There was a real sense of collaboration. There was a real sense of heterogeneity that I really liked. Where I am now, same thing. It's not as big a physician community because San Diego's just bigger. Um, but that same dynamic, I think, really holds where we do all try to interact but it does bring up this idea of hierarchy and diversity in healthcare. And we both know that is somewhere where we can get a whole heck of a lot better and we need to get a lot better. Yes. Yes. And you know, I can't have you on the show without talking a little bit about gender because, um, you're the first male on my show. And I just, first of all, wanted to say thank you because I'm sure, um, it's a little intimidating. Um, you know, I put on a conference every year and Tom Varghese spoke last year, Dr. Varghese, who's an amazing thoracic surgeon. And he was like, he walked in and he was like, oh my gosh, I've never been like this impressed or intimidated because it was, you know, 400 women physicians and Tom, and he was like, oh my. And, um, but you know, what I love about what I do love about social media is all of the collaboration and the colleagues that I've been able to meet and connect with, um, like Tom and you. And what I think is so really important is that we have critical conversations in real life like this, where we share like our own authentic self on and issues on gender, on diversity, on inclusion, and there's no shame right? Like we, I'm just not into shaming the male species. I'm not into shaming one race for their actions. I don't think that that's, you know, now I think we should hold people accountable. Um, but I really love these conversations. And so I want to ask you as a leader in healthcare, as someone who coaches, as someone who mentors, what do you think as, and I'm asking you to speak as a male right now, What is like the one, the biggest challenge that you face with kind of bridging this gender gap? Because I know I've seen you on Twitter. I know you support women in medicine. I know you believe in gender equity. What is, from a male perspective, what do you think the biggest challenge is right now being a a leader, being out there and vocal about it that you're facing? 
It's a fantastic question. We are we are at phase one, maybe still even in like the late part of phase zero in this work from my perspective. And I will grant that I'm earlier in my career than many. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a good 15 years in, almost 14 years in as an attending and really, you know, deeply steeped in leadership for about a decade now. It, it, the road, I think we're, we're in that phase of just mapping out the issues because we still do, we're not done picking the low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. We are still struggling with issues of supporting families mm-hmm. for men and for women, but taking away some of the absurdities around women wanting to start families, have families along with their husbands or their partner while wanting to practice medicine. Mm -hmm. I would suggest that the lowest hanging fruit that we can work on, and it's complicated, is if we can resolve that problem or we say that initiation and family planning for physicians is normal is norm should be normalized should be integrated they should not be in opposition and i will say frankly right now they are in opposition we can resolve that we're a long way in terms of moving the needle because right now it's all just the women and family planning and it's not right i'm a dad yeah i became a dad when i was a doctor and guess what you want to know how much paternity leave i took zero there's a lot of, and I'm not saying that I'm a victim here, but I'm saying that if we want to make things equal, let's take the subject of families and parenthood and start working to make it equal so that the weight does not just land on our female colleagues right, or our male colleagues who are in a partnership where they want to adopt. Right. Let's frame it where this is shared work, just like we share a call, just like we share the heavy lift. This is part of it. Let's make this shared work. How do we make it part of the work that we do. If somebody starts a family that we're happy for you, we're going to share the burden with you. We're going to support you properly. There will be proper leave. There will be proper work relief. There'll be proper help for the people who are doing the lift while you take your leave, recognizing that's part of the game. Yes. I, I had love a podcast it. episode with four hospitalists from the university of Colorado. And we were, I was fortunate to record live with them and they had written a quantitative paper in the Journal of Hospital Medicine around the experience of female hospitalists starting families. Sasha, it was just shocking. It was just, it was gross. And they were very forward-facing. They were, they, they were amazing in how brave they were. They shared their fear of retaliation. We, we need to make it where we don't have fear of retaliation. We don't have fear of reprisal on the, one of the most important acts a human being can take, which is to build a family. Oh, I so love let's this. start there yeah, I love and it. have those work groups and have those conversations. But it's, but you know, I love, okay. I agree with everything you're saying. And I just, I, I just like got goosebumps actually. Um, I wish that you could just, you know, stand up. We need to have, you know, Mark Shapiro in every single institution in America saying these things because what you're actually saying which makes complete sense to a normal person is radical. It's actually radical in medicine. Um, and, and it's not just men. Okay. It's radical. It's everybody because I hear all the time and I myself have fallen into this where a woman's like, you know, well, I, I, I'm breastfeeding. I got to get out of the operating room because I got a pump. And I'm like, well, gosh, you know, I'm, I didn't get to do that. That's the wrong answer. Okay. (laughs) The, The wrong answer is, 
you know, when I start thinking, oh man, I only got four weeks of maternity leave in medical in residency because otherwise I would have had to extend my residency. So I took four weeks. Like that is, that's sad that Sasha Shilcott got four weeks. That's the wrong, let's not go back. Right. We have to go forward and we have to make this, um, I'm a physician and I'm growing a family, not I can be a a great physician or grow a family because right now it's an or statement and it's so radical what you're saying, even though it makes sense that we just need to amp, we just need to, I think you're right. This is the low hanging fruit, but we haven't gotten there yet. Um, and we're talking about it, right? We are. We're having great conversations. We're barely at the end of phase zero. I don't want us to take a lot of credit and start patting ourselves on the back. We're way behind as a profession on this, right? You bring up the subject of, of pumping while being in the operating room. There is absolutely no reason, given how smart and how engaged we all are, that we don't have a process by which someone is able to say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm delivering. Hopefully my due date is in six weeks. I'm going to be taking X amount of leave. Let's call it just for the sake of discussion, three months of leave. And then I'm going to return. I'm hoping to still be breastfeeding. So I need to be plugged into our rotation so that I take my breaks. Everyone knows about it, that it's forward facing, that I'm going to be rotating out every however often I need. I know where I'm supposed to go. I know who's covering me. The patients are going to be taken care of. The institution knows and is supporting this process. And then I'm able to do what I want. Could you imagine what would happen if you could present yourself as the organization that has that? What happens to recruiting and retention? Right. Oh, I know. Just I know. That, just that yeah. one intervention. Yeah. And it's, and you'd be you know, the first talking yes. about white papers. You'd right. be the first one. <laughs> I know. I know. And it, there's, you know, there's so much work to be done. And I think that, um, the biggest thing is just partnering with, you know, men and women at every level on the ground, but also leadership to just talk about these things, you know, and, and figure and be like, you know what, we don't have a great way for our residents to be able to pump. Let's, let's like figure this out. I mean, it's, it's amazing what we have figured out in medicine. You know, I mean, yesterday, how many mechanical devices did I put in people? And yet we can't figure out how like Dr. So-and-so can go pump for 20 minutes. (laughs) It's just, so I think that I I love this conversation and I wanted to bring it up to someone who I knew would be open to talk about it and not afraid. And I just want to thank you for being so open and honest about it and so approachable. And I really want to encourage our listeners to follow you. Uh, you have amazing content in your show, listen to your podcast. So tell everybody like how they can follow you. How can they find the white paper? How can they find your website? How can they find your podcast? How can they get more of Dr. Shapiro? Well, first of all, I'm not going to let those compliments slide by without recognition. I really appreciate you saying that. And I thank you. I'd like to say that, you know, when we do the home and home series, when you come on, explore the space, we need to tease out because I'm curious and I want to know what is it that I'm doing, whether it's conscious or unconscious, that makes you feel like you have an ally. I'm delighted to hear that. But let's see if we can figure out what are the things that we can reproduce? What are the things that we can coach, mentor and teach so that this becomes the normal? Because then there's real progress for, for all of us. Yes. So thank you for saying that for sure. In terms of where to find me and to find the show, the website is www.explorethespaceshow.com. Uh, the whole archive of the show is there. Episode 130 went up today. You can go to the podcast page. You can scroll through the archive and some of the things I've referenced are there. And it's a, it's a pretty wild and eclectic archive. There's, <laughs> I love there's it. leadership content. There's mental and physical toughness. There's a lot of stuff with ultra runners. There's 
interviews with three-star generals and Navy SEALs on leadership techniques and, you know, Dave Burke, who's a Top Gun fighter pilot and tra- was the was in charge of training a Top Gun, physicians doing all kinds of amazing things. It's, it's a really fun ecosystem, and I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be able to be part of growing it. The the social media has become something in the last like nine months I've been much more active with. So Twitter is at ETS show Instagram, man, I am just paddling out on Instagram and it's, it's fun. And I'm learning fast at explore the space show. Uh, sorry, at explore the space show. You can email me anytime, Mark at explore the space show.com. My DMS are open on Twitter. Uh, it, it, I'm sure you have the same experience when you hear from someone who's listened to the show, whether they like hate or indifferent, it's quite a thrill. I love <laughs> hearing from people who are listening to the show. So people are welcome to come and listen. We crank out content pretty fast. I do about two episodes per week, but they're evergreen. You can dive into the archive and stuff from 2016 is as good as the day I published it. And so there isn't that sense of you have to keep caught up. It's not a, it's not a narrative arc. Right. It's an ecosystem. Each episode has its place in it. You draw out what you want. There'll be topics that you're much more interested in than others. And you just you just enjoy the things that resonate. That's awesome. And it's so much it's so much work to have a living dynamic uh, uh, communication and, and system like that information delivery. And so kudos to you for for all the work that you put into. I'm super impressed with, you know, just the amazing content. And I have found like random things that I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to this today when I'm on my on my walk or on my jog or on whatever I'm doing for I, I, I can't say that I really run. Okay. We can't say that. I mean, I don't know what it is. I do something where I'm on a road and move my body, but, um, but I love listening. And so thank you just so much for coming on the show and thank you for being authentic and real and sharing a little bit about your challenge in, in changing from a fix to a growth mindset and where you see healthcare going and breaking down those myths and being authentic. I just so appreciate it. And I just want to thank you once again. And if you're listening I hope that you found what Mark shared with us today inspirational and encouraging, encouraging, excuse me, and always live brave. This has been an HSG production.